Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to talk about wrestlers who are as frustrated as the fans. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, the Wednesday Night War between AW and NXT, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, joined by Michael Hamper, though, to discuss his article, 10 WWE wrestlers who are as frustrated as the fans. Uh, spoiled for choice on this one, I think it's fair to say, Hamper. But what was the uh, what was the catalyst for this article? So, yeah, the catalyst for this was uh, a Tuesday morning when a quick scroll through wrestling Twitter and Reddit and all that sort of thing revealed that, yet again, somebody had uh, poured their heart out on the... Um, the set of, in this time it was Raw Talk, but previously it's been talking smack. And I don't mean that to sound trivial, but it just happens a lot. I don't mean that yet again thing to be kind of like to almost like marginalise the particular complaints of Peyton Royce, which were wonderfully orated as well. It was a fantastic promo from Peyton Royce, who, you know, <laughs> I don't need to tell you how talented Peyton Royce is at Animal Bond. Probably you less than most, just how great mm-hmm. Peyton Royce is. Um, but she delivered this impassioned speech and um, the, the words that seemed to resonate and land the most was that she was haunted by her potential. Um, and immediately you get a lot of support behind these speeches because it's just uh, a foreign land for wrestlers at this point to get to talk and emote um, and react naturally to their less than stellar position on the card. And it struck me that this is happening all the goddamn time. These promos have become a trope in and of themselves I can't get on television. I'm going to go on this bit of television that I can get on and just actually speak my mind. I'm going to say what I want to say that is free from scripting, that is hopefully not going to get me fired, but it's going to make it very, get as close to the line as I can, basically, expressing my job dissatisfaction. It's not a character thing. It's a job dissatisfaction, a failure to get opportunities in this company. That was a Tuesday. By Friday, <laughs> it was as if Peyton Royce's concerns of the Monday were way back in 2014 and she was CM Punk walking out on the company because Andrade's name was in the mix. He'd handed his notice in. 
Immediately, everybody started fantasy booking the awesome AEW or New Japan matches. Pick your favourite, pick your poison. They were all going to be class because Andrade was just going to be finally allowed to go and be Andrade somewhere else. Uh, and they rejected notice. And as of today, just hours before we record, he's put a personal statement out, basically thanking everybody for the support and saying that, yes, everything you've heard is true. I did put my notice in. It did get rejected. We are where we are. Um a week and a half later from Peyton Royce being haunted by her potential, Andrade seems to be in the exact same boat. This is a pattern and a very, very bad one at that. Yeah, I get it. I'm biased when it comes to someone like Peyton Royce, but I do feel WWE so dropped the ball. The fact we, we are sat here and, you know, I mean, effectively, had circumstances not changed, Lacey Evans would be Raw Women's Champion right now. Um you know, I just, I distinctly remember around the time, and this is no slight on Thea Trinidad, Zelina Vega, as she's known in WWE, but you're looking around, you go, why is she being put in a title when you've got people like Peyton Royce there, you know, and we figured the moment the best female tag team of all time split, <laughs> but one of them was going to kind of fade into obscurity and the other one was going to potentially, I mean, we saw that when she debuted that new finisher when she was doing some singles matches. Yeah. Really, we thought she was going to be in, in a title feud within the next six months. And yet Billy Kay's the one who got all that who's gotten all the headlines and, and it's been incredibly entertaining when they were divided up between shows. And Peyton Royce is at best an afterthought, like you say, who barely makes an impression, if not an appearance on Monday Night Raw. But like you say, this is emblematic of so many others. When you when you talk about frustrations of being voiced, certainly in front of an audience. I, I, my mind immediately goes to the Miz because that's a, a rant that I go back to on a sort of twice a year basis to remind myself that as much as he maybe had come across as a knobhead on telly, whether it be on Raw or Miz and Misses, if I'm honest, uh, or he may not necessarily uh, light the world on fire with his matches. God damn it, there's a person behind it all. And that was that was real frustration about people you know, throwing barbs at him for trying to be as safe as possible so he can do the thing that he loves for a job for as long as possible. Yeah, um, it's loaded with complexities, is um, The Miz's legendary Talking Smack rant on Daniel Bryan. I, reviewing Talking Smack every week was one of the first jobs I had at World Culture early into 2017. Now, dare say there wouldn't have even been the call for such an article to exist had it not been for The Miz's promo in late 2016. Um it got that show on the map, and I think that's been well documented now. But only very recently, this story took on new life when The Miz did an interview with Renee Paquette shortly after winning the WWE title. He did her wonderful podcast. Um, and in that interview, he explained how he'd been drafted to SmackDown and he anticipated a big role as the Intercontinental Champion, or just in general, as a sort of a long-tenured star. And on his first night, he'd been left off the card completely. And I think he'd made a bit of a noise about it backstage and they were just passive as you often hear they are. We've got nothing for you this week. Mm -hmm. There'll be something for you next week. And it was just, he went into that Talking Smack promo already with a little bit of fire in his belly. It's as if that would have come regardless of Daniel Bryan daring to stoke those fires by questioning his pedigree as a wrestler, by questioning his commitment to the cause. And the great thing was, whilst... Daniel Bryan was perhaps in the wrong to sound like he was casting an aspersion at The Miz. He felt very vindicated in his opinion that The Miz maybe didn't deserve it quite as much 
Daniel Bryan at this point had lost his career to the bumps he took to get to that level. Whereas The Miz, as you say, with his very different style, was able to extend his way beyond what we thought Daniel Bryan was ever going to do. Um, there was echoes, just enough echoes, of the slander that The Miz used to have to deal with about being an ex-reality star. Mm. Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan evidently respects The Miz more than to just call him an ex-reality star. But there were just echoes buried within that criticism, that criticism that The Miz had long tied off. A guy that had gone to work that day to ask how he was going to be used, only to be told by his real bosses, well, we haven't got much for you tonight, and then be bantered off by his kayfabe one. Bryan was the general manager of SmackDown at the time. It was sort of a, a perfect storm of Miz having somebody in kayfabe to target for why he hadn't been used on the show that night, not least with the years and years of low-level heat between the two of them, stemming back to, of course, NXT, rookie and teacher and all that sort of stuff. It was like it was a proper, perfect happenstance wrestling moment that the two of them came together on this night with these conflicting emotions. It Look, if only Daniel Bryan had come out of retirement, this would have made for an amazing WrestleMania match. Honestly, mate, I was just about to go on to that. But I was quickly going to mention that I remember the first season of NXT and Daniel Bryan, as I knew him, rather than Bryan Danielson, was uh, was going to be mentored by The Miz. And I remember seeing all the online fury about it and being as clueless as I was back then of Ring of Honor, et cetera, et cetera, all the other companies that he's he hmm. spectacular work for. I was like, well, what's the problem? It's Miz. He's, I mean, he's... <laughs> Of course, you'd want to learn from the Miz. You can learn from anyone, learn from the Miz. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it baffles. It's another one of those things, probably thing for another list. It baffles me to this day that they went, okay, right, okay, well, the feud everyone wants to see. But everyone is talking about, everyone's making bloody video packages for things that don't exist yet. It's, uh, it's Daniel Bryan versus the Miz. Let's uh, let's blow it off and uh, do some couples bollocks and I don't know, throw <laughs> one of them. That'll do. And no, no, never get um, anywhere near. I always, I still remember fantasy booking WrestleMania uh, uh, about summer 2018, wasn't it? For, for the, the, yeah. the subsequent WrestleMania 35. They um, they infamously blew this one off, if you can really call it that, in uh, Australia in about three minutes. I think it was the, the original Super Showdown pay per view. Yeah. Um, underneath underneath that Triple H Undertaker match and my memory was a great Saturday daytime I worked with uh, Benjamin Richardson also of the What Culture Parish and it was lovely getting to sort of have the show done and dusted by lunchtime and get our coverage done in the afternoon and I seem to recall a conversation with you either on that day if you were doing a stream on the Monday being like well it's probably gone so quick because they're going to run it back and they want to save the match they want to save the match don't they? <laughs> for, for WrestleMania I'm like should we, should we just sit down a minute like <laughs> I think that's it I think, I think that's it. that was the number one contenders I think they're done <laughs> Well, I want to save the big spots. You can't do the yes kicks in a three-minute match, can you? <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Let's talk about Sasha Banks because you and I have got a lot of love for Sasha Banks, uh, particularly over the past year and particularly more recently uh, after her appearance on the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, genuinely one of the best podcasts out there that isn't ours, um, <laughs> where she opened up about, you know, something that we were all kind of aware of. And, you know, as much as I was bouncing off, I was going to say bounce off the ceiling, doesn't have one, but bouncing off the walls of MetLife Stadium when the Iconics won the tag titles, that was the start of a major downward spiral for Sasha Banks. And um, obviously now she is arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world without even, you know, including the gender in that uh, with, with one of the most successful years uh, currently stretching out behind her and, and in front of her as we head towards WrestleMania. Mm. But uh, it could have all been so different, couldn't it, Hamlet? Yeah. Um, the Iconics were legal, but the booking of Sasha Banks and Bailey was criminal. That's, I think, the fair assessment of that finish. Um, they'd willed and fought those tag belts into existence. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting a few words in Sasha Banks' mouth here from that excellent interview that everybody should go and listen to with Steve Austin. But those belts, if nothing else, were some vindication for Sasha and Bailey when none was forthcoming. Absolutely none elsewhere was forthcoming. A broken, abandoned, clunky, awful 2018 friends to enemies to friends again. Dr. Shelby, really, I love you. You ain't, Sasha, all that sort of stuff. Like, what a catastrophe. What an absolute mess of a programme that was. Only for them to be brought back together so that they can finally get these tag belts and defend them and take them everywhere. All three brands, that kind of thing. Yeah, international yeah. touring international touring titles of the WWE that they explain as well. They win them and then say, and by the way, this is what we're going to do. And then they get one successful defence and lose them in a bit of a, like lose them to the comedy act at WrestleMania. This is not a slight on the Iconics. It never has been. Um, she talked about it in the realest terms she could. It was, she just said, I think she said the word in order to not make it so stigmatised. It was depression. She knew she was suffering with depression. Um, and it was interesting that she did that on a WWE Network podcast because what she was in effect saying was that working for WWE had made her depressed. Mm. She didn't use those words um, because she's smart and she understands how to articulate problems in a way that they can appear more like solutions. You know, she talked about how she had to get away, how she had to reclaim her real name and her real hair colour and her real life because obviously the road is a torturous and exhausting one and every wrestler probably should do this as a matter of course. But hers had happened because she'd been forced away from it. She couldn't believe the thing that she loved was suddenly the thing she grew to hate. In the article, if anybody wants to choose to read it, and I hope you do, um, I've noted in the introduction, 
that when you have a job you hate and rest assured myself and Wilborn do not have jobs we hate no. we love these ones I was referring to my old self um about how much you even resent the travel to your work yeah you resent the commute you resent the hours in your day that are taken up just traveling to and from work you go to bed later than you should because you resent the hours of your awake time that are being taken off you by this job that you despise. A lot of people have lived through this. It's a, it's a pretty dark thing. Imagine when travel is so much of your living as it is with a wrestler. Mm. Imagine when you don't want to be going through airports, you don't want to be on long car rides, because when you get to the place you get to, you're only going to be further miserable. I don't know how they do it. Like the time off Sasha Banks took and look at the results from the time she took off. She came back, ripped a wig off, battered Natalia, got straight into that amazing program with Becky Lynch, pretty much transitioned from there into the program with Bailey that led us to Hell in a Cell that leads us to now where she's mm. this world champion again. It was everything for her. Um, it just leads one to question why WWE do it in the first place. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, like, that's what it always comes back around to. Great that Sasha Banks was able to take a bit of control of her life, get the break she needed, come back swinging and make things work for herself. How did we get there to begin with? You know, how did the, the woman that just radiated megastar aura in NXT and even right up until I would say WrestleMania 32 when she ended with Snoop Dogg, how did it, how did it get so bad? How many systemic failings were that got to that point? You know, I think, I feel like this is almost worthy of its own podcast at some point, but I feel like uh, to a certain extent, we, and I say we not only as what culture, but we as wrestling fans are also a little bit part of the problem because there are lots of things with wrestling that we have no knowledge of, no involvement in. And we, we sit there and, and, you know, talk about fancy booking, whether it be fancy booking an entire storyline or a week or whatever, you know, with previews and reviews, we, we always talk about it. And it's, it's, it's a lot easier to sit there and go, well, you know what they should have done is this, without <laughs> knowledge of it. But like you say, it's just it was staring them in the face with so many, so many varieties of those storylines, whether it be the, the Bailey and Sasha feud, which they eventually did get right after what, mm -hmm. five years or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, I, it, when you hear someone open up like that, and if you haven't watched it, do go and watch uh, her on the Stone Cold podcast. Cause it is, it's great here to hear her talk about everything else as well as, as this, but it's really eye opening. And like you say, it's, everyone involved in this list, which you can read the full version of at whatculture.com. It's not like, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, God, they're really misusing them, but I suppose they're just happy taking a paycheck. No, they're not. But at the end yeah. of the day, they can only complain and kick off so much and suggest things to a certain extent. And we've heard all the, all the stories about wrestlers being suggested by Paul Heyman and effectively getting themselves black, or them getting blacklisted because it's just like, all right, you've banged on about this enough. If you were a wrestler saying, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this for this story and I should do this instead, you're only going to make things work for you, worse for yourself. And particularly, you know, a few years ago when WWE was the only place to go, you're not going to rock mm. the boat too much. Um, nowadays, that's slightly different. And that may be reflected in another person I want to talk to you about who's going through something similar right now. He is the head of a stable that has been a major storyline in the past year, of WWE and I can just tell that he hates every minute of it and all he does is bollock his subordinates I'm talking of course of Mustafa Ali uh who is another person who gets on these raw talk shows or you know talking smack obviously it's raw talk right now but uh, he gets on those shows and seems to and on Twitter etc and seems to show is all what I could be doing if I wasn't given this bollock storyline to talk about with my mates T-Bar and Slapjack every week 
And consider the fact that this bollock storyline, to use your perfect phrasing, was in itself created as a kind of knowing protest vote against WWE. You know, they're internally trying to acknowledge every night. It's a bit like when Triple H and the gang came out and said, oh, we're sorry we've been doing such a bad job. You're the general manager now. All that kind of thing. Every now and then they try. It's all very inception-y. They try and acknowledge that they're doing a bad job and here's how we're going to, like, here's how we're going to screen that bad job and then we're going to look like, when we fix it, we're going to look like we solved all your problems, that sort of thing. Never works ever. Retribution, just the latest example of that. Retribution existed in kayfabe because WWE is broken. It is broken as a star creation vehicle. And these people and these masks led by Mustafa Ali, as he was eventually revealed to be the leader of, the guy that had been hacking computers and decided that wasn't enough. I need to get two great storylines wasted here. Yeah, like I needed a petrol bomb uh, generator because um, the only thing I could find when I went hacking was that Sonya Deville and Dolph Ziggler had a plan. Like (laughs) the... That was all designed because people know that WWE fails a lot of its talent. That retro, That's why Retribution fundamentally exists, uh, but they've never been booked as such, ever. Night one, getting beat by disqualification. Night, every other one, getting beaten clean. One, two, three. You know, um, I can bang on the slapjack for WrestleMania drum all I want, but it's not going to trend as a hashtag. It's just never, ever going to take for Retribution. And... Ali knows that and he cuts promos every now and then. And a lot of them are for Twitter where all he can really do is be so brilliant that when this has passed, people remember that, Mm. that when all this retribution stuff is over, people can look back and say, yeah, it was dreadful and it was turgid, but look at how hard he worked at trying to get it over. Remember this Raw Talk promo. Remember this um, YouTube one where he stood in front of an American flag in a suit. Remember this one where he tried. And I mean, I was pretty angry that they did this, but when he, did that one about huh, T-Bar, Slapjack, and you mock them? Well, maybe we gave them those names so you would mock them. So because we knew you were going to mock them, we're right and we win. That's the real quiz. <laughs> like, but his delivery was good. Yeah. The messaging was just minging, but the delivery was good. This one on Raw Talk that I mentioned for the list was the one that really stuck with me. Because this was on the Raw Talk after Legends Night at the start of this year, their latest panicked, please watch Raw. And of course, people did. They tune in in their vast numbers for this Raw and then don't bother watching again the following week. But Ali was there. Um, the quote was, we dedicated a three-hour show to old has-beens. A night like tonight is exactly what's wrong with the company. I'm not bewildered. I know the generation before me paved the way, but when the hell are you going to let me walk on the path? Mm. Great line. Great line, great sort of arrow to the heart, dagger to the soul, whatever, of the way that WWE continues to do business. And yet that was January. We're in March. We're on the way to WrestleMania. And that question is yet to be answered. And he's not even getting a bloody match with Kofi at WrestleMania. No, Retribution continue to lose. The open goal has been missed. The new day are in something completely different. For the second time in a row, second, maybe third, definitely second, the Retribution have been ostensibly trying to recruit somebody and then just stopped. They just stopped trying to get Ricochet. They just stopped trying to bother get Kofi Kingston. Like, it's just done now. They haven't recruited anybody new to the group because why would you want to join this pack of losers? Peyton Royce on Raw Talk didn't say, my potential haunts me. What I need is to have a word with Slapjack and T-Bar and see if I can get myself a flap jacket and a mask because those <laughs> guys will turn things around for me. Nobody believes that by joining this group are they going to be any further on. Mustafa Ali just has to assemble almost like a portfolio of moments that he can use 
whenever he is able to shed this wretched gimmick. You know what I saw on the weekend, I think it was, and maybe it was earlier this week, I saw T-Bar um, campaigning for trans rights, just doing a nice thing online and saying, oh, the T in T-Bar stands for trans rights. And then somebody was either racist or homophobic and Mr. Far Ali put the retribution logo up with the various colours representing LGBTQ+, representing various of the rights groups, um, marginalised members of society. And it's like, well, that's amazing. So retribution baby faces now. Like, are they, are they the group to get behind? Because this is awesome. You're good people. You're all good people trying to do good things with your work. And then you're going to see them on Raw getting frigging rolled up or Mia Yim getting a flea infestation or whatever it was that time. Yeah. Like, the left tweet in hand does know, doesn't know what Vince McMahon's writer's one is doing. And... I think, the problem, I think the problem is, is it does. That's the worst part of it. Well, yeah. And it's trying to, yeah, trying to get on front of it, I guess, yeah. Um, let's conclude then with a person who pops up in this list twice, but could probably pop up in this list 10 times because he's so good. He is the perennial, you know, they're overlooking this guy, but he, <laughs> it's spot on. And it is one Cesaro because you've got one here from from a, a Raw promo, you've got one here from Talking Smack. I'm sure you could have more from Raw Talk or social media or interviews because, honestly, what are they? I mean, get he gets flashes, but my God, I was just saying, like, just give him a, like I said before this, I know we're getting we're looking to head to a really good title match with Daniel Bryan at, at Fastlane this weekend, but I was like, why don't you give it Cesaro? Why don't you have Cesaro have one? We all know he's not winning the world title, but give him a, a build to a pay-per-view and let him just put on a mint match because we all know he can. Yeah. Um, as of recording, it looks as if Cesaro is going to get a singles match against Seth Rollins. And that's nice for him, I think. Um, he strikes me as the sort of person that will be thrilled that his first singles WrestleMania match is going to be um, a, against a guy who he probably feels he can do something quite special with. Uh, in-ring-wise, you know. Um, Seth Rollins is a made man. He's the kind of guy that could put a title on at a moment's notice and run with for six months. So he's a top guy. You know, this is a big, big match for Cesaro and hopefully a big night. And hopefully they steal the show as well. I, I sense that people will be rooting for this to be the match of the whole weekend for Cesaro, if nothing else. But I, it's just ridiculous. The two I've isolated for the list. One, to do them sort of in reverse chronological order... One was the promo so good on Talking Smack that it worked everybody into thinking he was going to win the Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. And then WWE just didn't do it. Just, it was just he wasn't the guy. It was a bit like how they worked everybody into thinking Nakamura might win the Rumble, and then he just didn't do it. The level, like, the, like it was so unremarkable about how he didn't get done what he said he would get done that you're thinking, well, how much of this is booking and how much of this is just fans desperately clinging on to belief that their favourites are going to get opportunities? I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a great promo. It was impassioned. It was believable because it's probably is what Cesaro thinks. He just wants to be respected and regarded as one of the best to do this. Um, I'm not a fantasist when it comes to Cesaro. I feel like as good as he is and as exceptional as he is in bursts at talking and in, in ring, like those, like the bursts are electrifying. When he's showcased effectively, they're electrifying. But I also can see elements of maybe why he's not the tippy top guy it's mainly promos if i'm honest which is ridiculous because the guy can speak like six languages or something like that he's a smarter man he's a smarter man when he's asleep snoring on a tour bus than i am at my most awake cesaro but like he just 
I don't think he's got quite enough of that mm-hmm. impassioned, it's, to be honest, right, it's an impassioned Hulk Hogan delivery that Vincent Mann's never been able to quite switch off. He needs that bombast that I don't think Cesaro has because he's laid, it's a quality I really like. I wish more wrestlers were a bit more laid back. Mm. I like it in, I like it in my friends and my family in general. But he's got that and that won't work with him with Vince McMahon. But in 2016, he was at least really pissed off. He'd been drafted um, 17th in the sixth round on WWE.com instead of on the show itself. He'd been drafted to Raw when everybody had said, oh, yeah, again, SmackDown's going to be the workers' show. It's going to be where all the wrestlers are. And he's like, what the frig am I doing on this sports entertainment thing? It turned out both brands are pretty great for a bit. And he obviously did the best of seven with Sheamus and they got, became the bar. Got over again because he really doesn't know how to do that. He knows how to get over and stay over. So things worked out all right to a point. But what he was trying to say was, push me. Actually commit to pushing me, Cesaro. And don't do it by making me a dot-com draft on the show that I'm ill-suited to put me against other wrestlers that are at my level but he's a nice guy and he doesn't want to bury people and he doesn't want to inadvertently drag people down while trying to put himself over he's comes across Cesaro very much as one of the good guys and maybe that's ultimately been his undoing all of these years hopefully hopefully the match with Seth Rollins is so good that he is looked upon in another light for the first time in his career that's wrestle it's a cliche this is but it's a big opportunity it really is Vincent McMahon is watching um, we know he's watching because how thrilled was he with Kevin Owens when he went backstage to ask about his match with Chris Jericho? Vincent Mann is staring at that monitor. And if you have a bad night, you're going to know about it. But if you have a good one, there's a good chance he wants to look at you on that monitor again on that stage. So hopefully this Seth Rollins feud is the feud. I like to think Seth's such a general that he probably wants to do it for Cesaro. And it'd just be nice if one of these rants didn't end up just being as impotent as all the rest. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me as the perfect person for Reigns to face in the immediate aftermath of WrestleMania as a, well, we all know he's not winning and it's on money in the bank, so it's not even really why you're buying the pay-per-view, but there it is. <laughs> Great. Just let it happen. Like you say, I said he's been on this list twice. He should be on more than, more than that, in my opinion, because he's, he's as frustrated as the rest of us, but he's a, a consummate professional and a wonderful performer. And hopefully one day soon, that frustration will ebb away once they actually realise what they've got on their hands or he goes to AEW, either or. Uh, let us know your <laughs> on uh, wrestlers who are as frustrated as the fans. There's a whole load more on this list. I'm sure you can guess and you can read more about it up at whatculture.com. But let us know your thoughts uh, at whatculturewwe on Twitter. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. As I said, if you want to read this article, just search for ten WWE wrestlers who were as frustrated as the fans. That is available right now on WhatCulture.com. This has been another top ten debate. My thanks to the uh, author of this article, Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.